0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent, documentary, and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A devoted mother and her troubled son struggle through disappointment and a broken heart to unearth their dreams. Along the way, they rediscover who they are and begin to reclaim their place in the world through music. Perhaps more importantly, to develop a connection with each other that is so deep, it not only brings them closer together, but it binds them more strongly to the ones that they love. We're joined today by the the writer and star, Maggie Baird, the uh, director, Jill Jonica, and by the co-star of the film, um, Life Inside Out, Phineas O'Connell. Welcome all to Film School.
1: Thank you thank so much you for having me. us. Thank, thank you,
0: you. Thank you so much. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, since I, Maggie, I know that you were the co-writer on this film. Talk to us a little bit about where the story came from and your work in writing this film.
1: Well, I started a group of moms to go out and sing and open mic nights. And we, and Lori was among us, and we would go out to clubs and together to kind of assure that we didn't back out or chicken out. And then my son, Phineas, who plays Shane in the movie, started playing music on his own and writing amazing songs and went to an open mic night or two with us. And he was about 13 at the time. And that was basically the inspiration for the story. The story is a fictional story, but that was what gave me the idea for the story. And um, then we, we wrote it for about a year and a half gradually over you know, an hour and a half a week, because we didn't have a lot of time, and then I would write outside of dance classes and choir, and uh, gradually,
2: Lori and I, gradually we had a finished script.
0: Jill, where did you come into the process here?
2: Um, well, Maggie and I have been friends for years, since our oldest kids were babies, and we've talked about for years that we should do a movie together, because we know so many people in Hollywood that are so talented, and, you know, we had everything we needed to make a movie, except for a script, so... Um, so I guess I came into the process 17 years ago. And uh, anyway, I was lucky enough that they trusted me to direct this film. And uh, right after they finished writing it, we started a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. And then the summer right after that, we filmed it for 15 and a half days.
0: Yeah, I saw. <laughs> I wanted to get to that because that's that uh, that's insane. Were you guys uh, riding around in jetpacks to get this thing done in 15 and a half days? That's just amazing. <laughs> <Well,
2: laughs> Yeah, that was sort of silly. Um, we had originally—I had wanted 19 days, and the producer didn't think we had enough money for that. Yeah. And so we, she said, "Can you do it in 16?" And I went, eh, "Maybe," and because I was didn't know any better than to say <laughs> yes. And then what happened is we got shut down for half a day, so it turned out to 15 and a half days. Well, we'll get to,
0: we'll get to that story. I think there's a little yeah. story behind that half day oh, yeah. that you didn't get to shoot. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, so you. you That's a crazy, that really is a crazy schedule. How many locations were you on in those uh, 15 and a half days?
2: Um, We had, well, if you count all the moves, we probably had 14 locations in 15 and a half days.
0: Well, let's get into the story a little bit because this is one of the wonderful things about Life Inside Out is oftentimes um, a story like this, Will go off on a certain tangents that become uh, more, sometimes more important than the storyline. This is not the case with this film. It's a very well paced, and the story itself is very uh, scalable. It's very you feel like you know these people, and you you feel like you've really gotten getting to know them as uh, in the in their relationships and such. that, and that's all in the writing. Maggie, I want to ask you about that, kind of the de- character development, the writing, um, uh, these people, you obviously knew these people very well. Tell me a little bit about your process in writing the story, and tell us a little more about the storyline itself.
1: Well, in the story, Laura is the main character. Laura and Shane are the two main characters. And Laura is a, a middle-aged mom who's got two older teenage boys who are living at home still Uh one of the things about the story is I think we really did try to encompass a, a lot of relatable things of our time. So she's got two older sons who are in community college living at home, and, and her youngest son doesn't really fit into the family dynamic of the father and the sons who are sort of sporty and fishermen and kind of classic all-American. And he's not fitting in, and she's pretty feeling pretty lost, her with her son's older and her sulky younger son, she really doesn't know what she's doing. She's recently lost her job because her father's, her, her mother, her late mother's ice cream business has folded and Mm -hmm. she's, she's kind of lost. And in so being, she unearthed her old guitar that she played when she was a teenager and gave had given up when her mother died and is about to give it away into a, you know, a donation box, but then fate intervenes and she can't fit it in. So she, It retakes up her music, and when she takes up music, it it not only changes her life, but Shane sees it and goes along and and finds out that he's got these musical gifts of his own. So, but in the story, we we really were trying to tell a very very real story, and yeah. and kind of making a point with all the characters that. Not everyone, not every character. It would have been a little pat if every character, the son, the older sons, et cetera, but that most of the characters also have some unfulfilled dreams and some regrets and some wishes, and, and we were trying to make a point that, you know, everyone is out there trying to, to make their way and, and figure out who they really are authentically and and do the things that they were, they were born to do or, or that they have inside them. So we did really strive to... Look at every character individually and figure out what their arc in the in the whole story was, and how they were all changed by this one little change of the mom of Laura. By taking this one little step, she she there's all these ripples in the whole family where they all find new elements or get to say things they've never said before.
0: I want to bring Phineas into our conversation um, and ask you, Maggie, as well. At at what point did you uh, decide to ask? bringing uh bring phineas into this uh, process or into this project uh and well phineas did he did did your mom approach you about it or was it something that sort of grew out of uh uh your interest in 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 being in a part of uh life inside out
3: you know our whole family is really a a family of performers and kind of it's like you know some families you know play sports together and you know our family's really done music and acting together. That's kind of our thing. Um, so it's always been a very sort of uh, performing household. We've all done, like, shows and talent shows. And, you know, from a super young age, I was, like, going to watch my mom with the Groundlings and stuff. So, you know, she's a professional actress, or she does. And when I was, like, 11, I, I signed on to the youth division of her agency to, you know, just start doing auditions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't get any huge roles, but I just started going on auditions. Um... And when I was about 12, my mom told me that she had started writing a script, and it was about a mom and a son. And uh, and it was kind of, you know, a weird sort of kaleidoscopically refractive version of our lives um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and at one point, I, I don't even, I don't really remember when. I don't know if it was immediately or if it was, you know, late in the game, but she was like, I want you to play the son. I was genuinely quite terrified because i really haven't you know i haven't done a role it's a big role in this film there's you know laura's role is the biggest role and this is probably the second biggest role and that was really scary because it's a real film it's like you know when your mom's like i'm writing a script that's like you know and then it's like it's getting turned into a real thing and there's like a director attached and the script is finished and there's, you know, a producer and a budget and the Kickstarter, and there's $41,000 raised <laughs> on the Kickstarter. It's like, oh, I better not be terrible
0: at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it also, when you find out it's a script involving, uh, you know, the storyline is about the relationship between a, a mom and her son. Right, we, absolutely. You know, so there's not, you know, in addition to everything else you, you mentioned, uh, there's a certain dynamic in place here that uh, Right. every son and mother... You know, there's a certain yeah. There's just a dynamic involved that uh, is right. universal. So, not to put any more pressure on you, but yeah, you did a great job, and I thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. yeah, you really did, and I li- I like the um, kind of the development. Uh, this goes to the direction and the writing as well, but the development of your character. Um, it you f- it definitely feels like a a kid trying to find his way, and you quietly, subtly. Begin to mature in the course of the story, and you can see oh, you. you can see you coming, you know, out of the, out of the uh, angst that we all go through uh, in life, and uh, it's just it was just a nice. What I liked about the film so much, I love the 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 fact that. Uh, it's all. everyone's very la- relatable in this film. Everyone mm-hmm. is very natural and I've, I've re- heard, you know I've been reading some of the reviews and th- they point to this very natural feel of the acting in it. Uh, Jill, I want to ask you about that. you know, trying uh-huh. to develop that rapport within the cast. Uh, uh, was that a matter of casting? Was this part of the part of your process? Tell, tell me a little bit about kind of developing that that feel, that ensemble well, feel.
3: Well,
2: definitely I wanted the film to feel naturalistic. I really wanted it to feel like a real family. Yeah. And um, and 90% of my work was done because we got a great cast. Yeah. <clears throat> that, was, that was it right there, getting people who I knew were fine actors. And Phineas was just a gem. You know, none of us knew because, as Phineas said, he hadn't really acted that much. And his character doesn't have a lot of words on the page so it all had to be expressed through his face and he was just a revelation on the set it was so great to work with him you know of course i knew maggie could pull it off i knew she was a really 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 good actor and i'd seen her perform in things through the years but phineas was an unknown and it was such a wonderful surprise and then the Thank rest you. of the, yeah, you're, you're welcome it's true, and. Um, and the rest of the actors, you know, we really, really looked for people that we admired, that we'd seen in before. Maggie had ideas for certain characters, and I had ideas for others. And, um, and so that was most of the work right there. And then on the set, in pre-production, I wrote little backstories for each of the characters, whether or not that was Maggie's idea of the backstory, and I kept it to myself. But just to keep it, you know, sort of keep the boat focused in the right direction... And when I felt on the set, very rarely, that something was maybe going astray, I'd have a conversation with the actors about about that, you know, who they were. Um, but that was so rare. They were just awesome. I gave them no rehearsal time. I gave them, you know, it was just in, insane. And everybody did a stellar job. You know, I think
1: also um,
2: there's a there's a beauty of an
1: independent film that may not be immediately apparent, but... When you don't have trailers and you don't have a big makeup department and you don't have stand-ins, that means everybody involved in the movie is really just right there, kind of hanging around with the crew and doing things in the moment. And I think it actually makes for a very realistic shoot because you don't have that, you know, falseness kind of of the the preciousness of the actor coming from the trailer onto the set and the makeup and the... Which, I don't know for me as an actor I I, I just feel that the, it's really hard to muster up quite the reality on the set when everybody is is kind of being treated in that yeah. careful way <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it's, it's true and the other thing is that we weren't on a sound stage we were in Maggie and Phineas's real house for a lot of the shoot seven days and you know, like Maggie saying, David Cowgill, who plays her husband Mike, was sitting in the living room while we were shooting in the kitchen. Yeah, you know, waiting for his turn to come up. So it, it it did, it did lend that sense of reality to it all. That that must have been a help, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and and Maggie, and and also to you, Jill. By the way, we are speaking with uh, the the talent. A of, of, of multiple of multiple talent here from the film Life Inside Out. Uh, Maggie Barrett is the writer and co and star of the film, uh, along with her her son, uh, Phineas O'Connell, who plays the part of Shane and Jill Donenica, the director. We're here with the the talent, very talented uh, group of people from the film Life Inside Out. Uh, this is the thing. I w- going to thank you for bringing up uh, David Calgill because his character in particular is one of those characters that I was talking about earlier, where sometimes these kind of independent films can get off into exaggerating a character for some sort of dramatic effect, but it doesn't further the storyline. David's character of Mike is very much a a, a good guy. Uh, who's struggling to make things work, but he wants to make sure everyone in his family is doing okay. I, I just liked his, yeah. I liked his take. I liked the way he played it. I'm sure that had to do with the direction as well. But um, he, he, this is a, a a kind of role that easily could have veered into a very me- melodramatic, you know, back and forth, you know, love hate thing. Uh, but it didn't, and I thought he was just terrific. I really enjoyed. It was, his-
2: yeah, it was so important to me that 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 his character not be the bad guy or somehow be one-dimensional. And Maggie didn't write that character one-dimensional by any means. And so, yeah. you know, the one thing I remember saying to David was, you love all your sons. You love them. And, and you love sports and fishing and hunting. And your older sons love it, too. And that's how you've been able to relate to them all the years. And now this younger one, you're using that same bag of tricks with him, and it's not working. And you adore him, but it's not working, and you're frustrated because you're looking in your bag of tricks, and there's nothing there right and and so and he played it so beautifully, and then a, you know he just he just did a great job.
0: yeah, well it's again, he could have been you know he was frustrated with Shane's character. Uh, but he didn't, you know. It, again, this is the kind of person that in some films turns into the monster, and it becomes this kind of. It throws these the films out of an, uh, a a certain cemetery that will often yeah. really really right. torpedo a film like. Uh, and so, anyway, so that's very well written, and also the the part of the father um, is that uh, William Dennis Hunt that I uh, correct? Yeah, yeah, Bill, yeah. 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 yeah, terrific, terrific, and just a. You know, the, all of the, uh, all, he was wonderful as well, really uh, well played. Um, where did you find uh, William Dennis Hunt?
1: Well, he's a local actor who does a lot of theater. And, um, you know, I think in that particular role, we were a little stuck. And we actually just sent out emails to all of our good actor friends in L.A. and said, who knows a wonderful older actor? And this, and William, he was recommended. He worked at A Noise Within and Topanga and, and I think we cast him sight unseen. We just had such good reports, and, and he agreed to do it, and we were thrilled to have him.
2: Yeah, and I was so I was so really touched by the scene. I think we wrote it later on in the process. You wrote the scene um, between Laura and her father, where he expresses regrets. You know, he's yeah. flawed as well. He's not. No one's perfect. You know, everybody has regrets in their life, and um, and I just I thought he. He played it so touchingly. I love that scene. Well, and- I think
1: we, we'd actually written the scene, but it, we had had a location change on that scene. And in, in having to look at the location change, we are like, oh, I'm never quite happy with this scene anyway, so let's work on it now. And um, and actually, that location change actually was great because it kind of informed a new element to the scene. So that was a, a fluky change that turned out to be a benefit.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: well and again it is it's heartening to see um a role i know this is going to sound a little bit patronizing but it is good to see roles with women uh, women uh who are past the you know the miley cyrus age that are getting that are getting you know to see them in um mature i mean in full fully formed um roles and Meg I thought you, you you by the way you did a great job as well you you really are the uh you know the pivot point in this film uh so much relies on not only what you say but how you say it and I thought that you were able to maintain a very nice balance in your approach to all of the characters and and the situations uh so uh congratulations to you on your on your performance as well.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Um, and by the way, I want to ask you because, uh, as a writer, I know you were t- uh, Laurie and, and yourself, Laurie Nasso and yourself wrote this film, uh, Life Inside Out. Uh, you both have a background in improv. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Second City, uh, and she as or you were with. I'm sorry, I've got. I, the, was, in, I, I uh, was in the ground. Groundlings. That's right, and and then of course Laurie was with Second City and. A uh, writer with Saturday Night Live. Uh, is there something about uh, working in that sort of uh, environment that helps you, f- gives you th- uh, an a- ability to flesh out characters? What is what was the advantage of being in that in that sort of an environment in terms of writing?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I that that was really important. I, I, we we totally we certainly did writing on our own, and there were many times we weren't together. But when we were together, we often were improvising and and writing it down, you know, just improvising, do it again, let's do it again, let's try it again, and, you know, even when I write on my own, I'm kind of improvising, you know, it's the same idea, and saying it out loud, I I think that was very important, and 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 yes, because we both come from those worlds, we really were attuned to the idea of character, and you know, making sure that they were, that it was really kind of a character-based movie, in a way, that, you know, everyone had a real truth, and a real, uh, you know, I also grew up in the world of of, of loving that kind of um, entertainment. You know, I loved even on television. I liked the Andy Griffith show and the Mary Tyler Moore show. And then in the movies, I love tender mercy. So, so that was really important. And I, I think our improv background definitely helped in that regard.
0: And Jill as as a director were you was this something on the set that you were encouraging at so oftentimes you know you hear about um, independent films where they've got plot points and that's about it there's not much dialogue this obviously had a lot of dialogue written down but was there some amount of uh, sort of running with the scene in, a, in an improv kind of way when you were doing this
2: well we had first talked about that when we thought we were going to shoot it with our iPhone <laughs> we, thought, <laughs> we thought that you know we just lay out plot points and then shoot improv. But, um, but it quickly became apparent as the budget grew to just enough to give us a nice red epic camera to shoot with, but not enough to give us time for improv. And we had a single camera.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, when we were thinking maybe shooting it with some sort of like Canon 5D or the iPhones, if you have two or three of them, you can improv because you can cut between the characters. You have places to cut to. But we had one camera on the set. So improv was off the table at that point. The actors stuck to the script. Pretty much, th- absolutely thoroughly. And the only sort of improv that happens was there are a few times where where um, where I would ask Guido to catch something that I saw that wasn't scripted, um,
3: okay. that
2: was silent, just to give me some moments in the film that were silent. Um, but no, the actors were. They had to stick to their words,
0: man. Well, and you kept him right on, on task. It sounds like well, well, fantastic. Well, I now um, I want to talk a little bit. But by the way, Phineas, are you still there? Yes. <laughs> Hi, Phineas. Hi, yeah. How are you? <laughs> I do want to say uh, just this is completely uh, subjective uh, I'm on really? my part, but I really was impressed with uh, your singing and your songwriting. I, I, but I uh, just yeah, I have to tell you, your voice just is a very rich uh, instrument, if you will. That has a, you, yes, have a really very, yeah, you have a very good tone to your voice. Thank uh, you. And I know you're playing. I'm going to give a plug here. I'm going to shout out to, uh, you have a, a band that you're in, and are, I assume you're playing around town?
3: Yeah, we play as much as we can. We're a band called The Slightly.
0: There you go. And just out of curiosity, do we have a website for The Slightlys?
3: Yeah, we're www.theslightlys.com, as a matter of fact.
0: And and a lot of original material that you have out. I mean,
3: yeah, we do all the original material, and we have a bunch of stuff for free online. And we're uh, currently in the process of making like a a real actual uh, you know in studio EP right now with a producer we love, so that's really exciting.
0: Well, this is going to lead me into my next uh, what I want to talk about. But uh, has some of the attention that the film has received been helping you in terms of your musical career? Is that beginning to, to, to to push it along it seems
3: to be i mean you know it's the really cool thing to me about this film is that it's very kind of grassroots in every respect so right now just kind of building the audiences and you know we try to go to every q a we possibly can at the movie theater and yeah. stuff and yeah. a couple times i've been in in a stall in the restroom and heard people say like i gotta check out that band from that film <laughs> and that's like the most exciting thing in the world to me i want to scream but then i realize i'm in a restroom and that would be weird um <laughs> Yeah, so it's been really great. And uh yeah, we on opening night of the film we like we took the whole audience across the street to a Mexican restaurant called El Portal in Pasadena yeah. and, and just played like an acoustic show and it was one of the most fun shows we've ever played. Oh. It was really great.
0: So that's the Slightly's, and you go to uh uh slightlys.com. Is that did I hear that correctly? Yes. Okay, yes, sir. fantastic
3: yeah, Fantastic. <laughs> we have everything.
0: Okay, well that leads me to this last part, really the the part of the, which is so heartening to see. Apparently this the the film is one of these films that's getting a great word of mouth. It's gotten some fantastic critical acclaim as well, but it's the word of mouth that seems to be sustaining the film and I'm that's one of the reasons why I'm happy to be able to talk to you today about it. Uh that's got to feel great uh for you, Jill, and for Maggie. J- Jill, I mean it's awesome. Yeah. So, what has the reaction been? What are the, your, people? Obviously, you're doing Q and As. People are. What are they saying to you when when they say uh, when they talk about the film?
2: So many people say, "That's my life. That's me." And who me is is interesting because sometimes it's a woman saying, "That's me," and sometimes it's a guy saying, "That was me when I was a kid." That's me with my son. So everybody finds one character to relate to and really hold on to as they watch that movie. And, you know, guys are leaving the theater saying, I cried, I cried. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's just – and people are coming back. We're seeing now people that discovered the movie through, you know, maybe the L.A. Times review or the, or the Lemley website, and they showed up and watched the movie and loved it so much they come back with somebody else to share it with them, which is incredible. So we're having a great time.
0: Well, Maggie, uh, and I—I I personally think it's again—it's such a relatable film, uh, and and it and it's it's it is one of these films you really root for because you do not see films like this uh, in in our plexes very often. Uh, <laughs> how does that feel for you as well?
1: Well, just hearing you say it, it's—I uh, have to say—that's pretty awesome. I'm like sometimes I. You know, because it's a grassroots project, we're always working so hard still to keep it going and let people know that, you know, we're literally the people putting up the posters in the stores and the postcards. So it is pretty amazing to stop every now and then and think, wow, people are actually watching this movie, bringing back their friends and talking about it. And and we wrote it and we made it. It's kind of mind blowing. So, um, yeah, it feels really, really good. It's. I still kind of can't process it but I really am thrilled about
0: it. Well it's rare that films get held over. It's a very crazy, very brutal marketplace, particularly for independent films. It's just you get your week and if you don't just do, you know, amazing stuff, you don't you don't last and your film is lasting. And that is it. Yeah. That's a testament. I, and I want to go back to the Kickstarter's uh, campaign, which you talked about earlier about raising enough money. Jill, you mentioned this mm-hmm. to be able to get the red and red camera, by the way, for a lot of the listeners of film school, we talk about camera equipment all the time. Red seems to be the preferred uh, camera of choice for uh, for indies. Uh, and yeah. uh, um, it's a an e- I know it's. Is it great in low light, right? Is that that's always seems to be the, you know, the calling card for cameras, but um, yeah. yeah so. so we were
2: shooting in this dark house with light coming in through the windows, so it has this great HDR, you know, capability where the whites won't blow out. Yeah. You know, you can so that was just awesome, and with red with the uh, prime lenses, so it was just it was lovely setup that we had.
0: Well, the uh, going back to Kickstarter, obviously you raised enough money, forty-one thousand dollars, what you said. Now I c- increasingly hear that if you're going to go crowdsourcing for your for films, that a lot of filmmakers make the mistake of thinking they just put it up there and and suddenly money's going to show up and people are going to be banging your door <laughs> down to get in. But now I'm increasingly no. hearing from filmmakers you almost have to have someone full time on a Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, there effort. were two yeah. of us full-time on that Kickstarter, okay. at least, oh, yeah. five of us, really, on five <laughs> of us right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you're talking to the people that – no, we um, – and Maggie and I, through that, you know, battle of Kickstarter, which was excruciating and exhilarating, we have promised anyone that wants to have any advice, we will give them all the advice that we – you know, all the hard-earned lessons that we received through that process. We worked full-time for those 32 days. On that Kickstarter campaign, and before setting it up so that it was attractive enough to people that they would take a look at it, the video, the rewards, the um, communicating with the people that helped us uh, that were supporting us, it is a full-time job, yeah, to be yeah. able to make a successful Kickstarter.
0: Well well, the, was it worth the effort is, I mean uh, there's almost no other way to raise money for an indies, it, so well, there, I don't know there, but was there, it worth it?
2: Yeah, there's two reasons why it's worth it. Not only the money, which was fundamental, because without that we couldn't have attracted the final investors that gave us the push to have the real budget for our film, but to realize that there was an interest out there in our film. Yeah. You know, when you see it, we got 500 backers, so more than the money amount or equal to the money amount was the fact that there were 500 people that said yes, that greenlit our film before we even started. And they yeah, became oh, our biggest – Go ahead. Oh, they well, became our uh, biggest fans and supporters.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that it, it helps you come up with your whole idea of your movie anyway. You have to kind of identify who's your audience, who's going to care about it, who are we going to reach with it, and all of that is going to be important to making your movie anyway. So doing for your Kickstarter is great. We actually had a lot of help making our Kickstarter videos, and we made a secondary video. So the five of us, the cinematographer, producer, co-writer, Jill and I, and some other friends helped with that. So you kind of deciding how your team works together, et cetera, what's going to work and what isn't. But one thing I'll say about it that people neglect is that if you're even considering doing a Kickstarter, you need to start well in advance of that Kickstarter, making sure that you have a social media presence, that you are genuinely interested in other people's projects, you kind of can't just come on the scene and think everyone's going to give you money if you haven't kind of done it yourself. I mean, Jill and I personally have backed, I don't know, I've backed 25 projects. I yeah, I've backed over 40 projects. projects. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, I've seen Kickstarters where someone... Now, sometimes it's because they come on Kickstarter with a different name, so you can't you can't legitimately tell, that it'll say, back zero projects or something. And, you know, you kind of... You know, it's it's a world where people are really happy to help you but it's it's a good idea to have done your your due diligence in advance, you know? Yeah. And and if you have a lot of communities that you're involved in in your general life, that's gonna help you a lot, you know? Yeah. You kinda can't just sit in a closet and write movies and then go, Oh, hey, everybody help me. You you kinda have to do your share back.
2: Well that's yeah, is- Maggie's absolutely right. And the thing is that most of our backers for this particular project, were, um, were somehow people we had, you know, one or two degree of connection to. It wasn't people off the random Kickstarter page, by and large. So, yeah. I believe. Right, Maggie? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it means
1: personal messaging and really having a clear message and being generous about it and taking the time to be polite and not just, you know, spam everybody and... Right. So that's why it becomes a full-time job. Now, it's a little bit different if you have, obviously, you know, Zach Braff or, you know, if you've got some huge famous following. That That's different. But when you are really indie and you don't have a name and you don't have that, you're going to be reaching out to your basic communities. And if you don't have any, yeah. you're probably in trouble.
0: Yeah. No, that is exceptionally good uh, advice. For people who uh, are interested in in uh, making a film, I mean, as as someone who has been doing uh, film school now for eight years, I know that a fair number of people that listen are filmmakers or budding filmmakers. So that's wonderful um, advice. And and I've been okay. hearing more and more that. You, know, you just as you said, you just can't walk in, put your name uh, up on a Kickstarter site and expect people to line up to give you money. It's just not going to happen. And, and it's become no. more competitive. And, and and not to take a shot at Zach, but it does seem there's sort of a before and after Zach uh, for uh, for the Kickstarter uh, uh, story. You know, a lot of people were very, very upset with him. And then, I don't know. I don't know anymore. But
2: uh, I'm on the side of go for it. You know, I think yeah. the Kickstarter people, when they started it, when they, when they started Kickstarter, I remember reading a, a review or an interview with them, and they said they wanted Quentin Tarantino to fund his next film through Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, they were open to all levels yeah. of creatives coming to their site. So I'm on the side of go for it, Zach. If you can get the money, yeah. I'm, I'm on your side. Yeah. Well, I actually, I actually supported that Kickstarter,
1: and, uh, you know, I was interested to follow the process and see. And, and, yeah, it is a little bit different when you have that big following, and, yeah. On the other hand, you know, the people who are supporting his Kickstarter are not going to support my Kickstarter anyway because they don't know me.
2: You
1: yeah. know? So, so it's not really interfering. I, I do think maybe there's a little bit of a cultural kind of irritation with it. Yes. But then that kind of affects all of us then. And that's more the problem. I, and and used to,
0: yeah. Go ahead.
1: Kickstarter used to be more, you know, used to get your project approved. You know, Kickstarter would have to say this is legitimate mm-hmm. and it's. You know, and they don't really do that anymore, and maybe that's not so good, but, you know, ultimately it's going to be your own friends and your own connections anyway, so in some ways what other people do is a
2: little bit irrelevant. All right. Yeah, unless you somehow, you know, tap into some wacky meme, like the potato salad guy, you know, that just (laughs) explodes.
0: (laughs) All right, well, enough of that, enough about the the whole, yes, I... um, I want to thank all of you, and I know I've taken up a, a lot more of your time than I expected to, and I'm so thrilled to be able to have all of you on Maggie Baird, uh, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Phineas O'Connell, thank you, and um, and Jill Donyenaka. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much for being on here. And the the film Life's Inside Out, it's playing pl- Lemley Playhouse Seven. And um, now, where else are pe- now people can go to your website? Tell us what the name of the website, Jill. The
2: website is um, lifeinsideoutthemovie.com, or we're on Facebook as Life Inside Out the Movie, and Twitter, L-I-O, the movie. Very good. And um, at all of those places, you can get updates about what we're up to and where we'll be, what's happening with the film.
0: Fantastic. And again, uh, award-winning film, uh, the Crystal Heart Award winner at the Heartland Film Festival, Audience Award is San Luis Obispo International (laughs) Film Festival, Uh, Phoenix Film Festival Award winner, a lot of different places. It's obviously came into the game uh, with some nice pedigree uh, going forward, and it continues to do well. This is the this is a film that should be supported for a lot of reasons, not the least of which it's a very good film. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you uh, so
1: much for having us. Take Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.